I just pop them there? Good evening, everybody. Let's uh, let's have a look at you. Uh, Pastor's given us a a, a a title for tonight. Um, Don't waste your life, the rest of our life. And uh, so, let me turn with, if you would, with me. If you've got your Bibles, to one Peter, um, <coughs> chapter four. Let me just read the, um, the the chapter four shouldn't be there. It's just put in for our help. But in in chapter three, verse eighteen, it says, "For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit, by whom he went." And so it goes on to some very difficult passages, which we're not going to look at tonight. But say, jump there to, to verse 4, to chapter 4. Therefore, because that goes to the, what is said before, therefore, because Christ has suffered, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who was suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in licentiousness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to, the, to, to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. For the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another with good stewards and of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When, when Pastor rang me, I sent me an email and said, would you, would you do this passage? And I read that first verse <laughs> to my wife. I said, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an exhortation uh, of how to live, how not, we're not to waste our lives. And Peter says that because of Christ's death and your conversion, we cannot live the rest of our lives as we did before. Let me just say something, because I don't know where we are in, in this it's a series. Uh, um, it's about AD 64 and Nero's on the throne and uh, um, 
there was persecution and in, in AD 70s, you know, Jerusalem was destroyed by... Nero had, had already committed suicide. Um, so it's Peter that's writing to him. You remember Peter, he was a fisherman, wasn't he? He was on the... Uh, there was on, with his brother Andrew on the, the shores when Jesus called them and uh, uh, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And Jesus... Um, Peter's kind of close to Jesus. He's kind of the spokesman for the for the for the apostles. Peter was there when Jairus's daughter was uh, uh, raised from the dead. Peter was um, up in the mountain with Jesus when he was transfigured, and he was he saw, he saw all that. Um, he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is. He was asleep, of course, with the rest of them, but he was there. He heard Jesus praying to his fathers before he succumbs to the weakness that they all did. Um, Peter also was given the keys, and it was Peter that preached on Pentecost. It was Peter that that 3,000 was saved, that first sermon that he did. It was Peter that went when Philip went to Samaria, and Peter went up there to give them the Holy Spirit, because they not yet had the Holy Spirit. It was Peter that went to the house of the... Cornelius, who was a God-fearer, uh, and he had the vision of the, of, you know, the, the end of this Jewish. What's he say? Not so. I've never eaten anything unclean. When he sees this net full of animals that were unclean to the Jews, so Peter had had some remarkable, uh, life-changing experiences, and yet he was, he was the one who, when Jesus said, "We're going to go to, I'll go to Jerusalem, and there I will be handed over to the." to the authorities and I will die and uh, and Peter takes him to one side doesn't he and he says not so Lord no no far be it from you to and Jesus says get me behind me Satan That's, you know he, 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 he thought he understood what was going on but but he didn't it, it was Jesus who, it was Peter who said uh, though all men stumble I'll not stumble he was so confident in his own abilities and of course he says uh, Though they all deny you, I will never deny you. And of course, in the garden, when he goes with John into the, to the garden of Caiaphas and the high priest, he's, uh, he, he's brought down by the, the servant girl who says to him, you were one of those. Yeah. And he curses and he swears and he, and he writes this letter to us now. And it's encouraging that somebody like Peter and of course, when, he, when Paul meets, uh, if you read Galatians, Paul has to confront Peter because he had some sort of anti-Jewish or pro-Jewish feelings. He still hadn't got that sorted out. And he's saying to us, we have to get these things sorted out in our mind. He says, we are to arm ourselves. Uh, what does he say there? He says, because Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with this same mind. If we're not going to waste our life, we have to know what the scriptures are saying to us. We have to, we have to understand what was Christ's mind, what, what was his mind. It was to do his Father's will, wasn't it? It was to, to take suffering, to, if, if that's what he had. You may have to take up your cross and, uh, and suffer one day. But we have to think and to appreciate what the Lord has done for us. And we can't think that we have been baptised and, we, and we, we are Christians and continue to live like we did. And we're going to go just look at that in a moment. Now, this is the, the hard bit. Is, is, 
Peter saying to us, just look at the cross and see Christ as your example. Well, he's certainly doing that. But he's also, I think, doing what Paul did in Romans 6, where he says that we have a union with Christ, that when we had a union with Adam, <laughs> when Adam sinned, we all sinned, you know, as Romans 5 tells us. But when, we, when Christ died, let me just quickly look at it, because it's no good misquoting, is it? He says in verse 4 of chapter 6 of Romans, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so also we should walk in newness of life. We are not to walk in our old ways. We went to this newness. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Jez was saying that the other week, wasn't he? He was saying that sin doesn't have that dominion over us. But I like the way he said it. Oh, 40 years, and I'm still tempted by the same things. I thought that was that was that touch me did that because I think he spoke to he spoke to all of us. And so we are we are to arm our minds with these things. But I think it's also true to think that we we are to 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 look to the cross, uh, what our Lord and Saviour did for us. And I found this Easter. But I found myself, and I don't know whether anybody else did, I found myself at Easter Sunday rejoicing that Christ had risen from the dead. And I'd not really considered his death. I, I kind of couldn't come on the Friday and somebody told me that Alex was here. Was that true? said it was excellent. And I got myself in a bit of a state. I forgot about something. I must be a sign of getting old because I completely forgot. And then I rang up somebody and they said, we'll come tomorrow night. And so I, I, well, that's where I walked. So I, I, but I did, because I was doing this, I looked at, at what happened to Christ. Let me just bring you one thing that came to my mind. It's Thursday night and Jesus is arrested and he's taken to the house of Caiaphas, Annas, and then Caiaphas. And then he goes, and on early Friday morning, they take Jesus to Pilate's headquarters. And these Jews, these Jewish leaders who were, uh, they, they would, uh, they give their 10% of everything they had and they would stand on street corners to pray and Jesus tells us that they sat in the, the highest seats in the, in the thing. But when they get to, to, to Pilate's headquarters, Pilate has to come down. They conducted all their businesses in the morning so they could go off riding and bathing in the afternoon. And they somehow they took Jesus to the, to the as it were, the gateway. And we don't know how they did it, but they kind of pushed him over the gateway. Perhaps they got a stick or something and shoved him into the arms of Rome. And there he suffered, didn't he? And there they, what did they blindfold him and, and say, somebody'd knock a tooth out or bust, black his eye and say, prophesy. Who, who did it? Who did that to you? Who was it that this was happening to? It was the Son of God, wasn't it? He came down from the realms of glory to this earth. I think we have to arm our minds with that kind of thing. He did that for you if you're a Christian tonight. 
not to think of the cross and I, I, I think then Peter then gives us some he's, he's given us a, a kind of command that we are to be uh, arm ourselves with this mind that we should no longer live like this and he gives us some motivations and if you look with me he's actually going to give us four but I, because of time, I'll have to go through them fairly quick. In, in, in verse 6 of chapter 4, he talks about the gospel was preached to those who were dead. Well, he, he's not meaning that the gospel is preached to dead people. He's talking about the gospel being preached since the time of Adam. And this church has preached the gospel. For how, how long are you in? 100 and 120 years and you know there's people and there may be people here but there used to be people I used to remember Jack Firth and other older missionites who could say yes room two that's where I gave myself to the Lord and I was sat there and it was so and so and the gospel has that effect and, and what Peter's meaning is if you come to the Lord you've heard the gospel you may have been baptised. I mean, we, I don't know how long people have been baptised in this church, but, you know, we, we, we sing, Oh, Jesus, I have promised to serve thee till the end. We, it's, it's not a temporary sort of situation that we've, we're going into. We are to live our lives uh, with these things in our mind, and the gospel is one of them. Then he, go, then he says in verse uh, 3, he says, what, he's, what he does is he, he talks about the past, he talks about the present, and he talks about the future. And in the past, he says, we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. With, and he gives you a list of, of these things. It's more than enough time. I don't know how, long, when you, how old you were when you, when you came to the Lord. I mean, some some done it quite young and others. Um, but we've finished doing what we used to do in our uh, past time we've we've wasted enough of our time uh, and Paul writes in the to the Galatians it says those who are uh, who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires that that old lifetime is finished it made me think of my uh, of when I got married I was married in 1969 and we we went off to Bridlington for our honeymoon and then we came back and my best man lived about a hundred yards on the road and I, there was four of us that went out as young men together and uh, I was the first one to get married and they came to, to our house and they said something <laughs> like this Friday night lads night out you know lads night out and I don't know whether they, I don't know they still do that, <laughs> but people in my in the 60s, men used to dedicate Friday night to the to the lads, and out they went with the lads every Friday. Now my wife wouldn't let me go, so <laughs> I never went. She said I have no recollection of that. Well, I said, well, I would have gone if I had have had half a chance because I wasn't a Christian in them days. And I mean, it may have just gone to a club and have a game of snooker or something, but. I, I cut people's hair because I, I was a barber all my life. And I remember this young man saying to me, he said, he only went out for two pints. He said, and at two o'clock this morning, I was in a nightclub. He said, I don't even like nightclubs. And I'm a postman, I've got to get up at five o'clock in the morning. And you know, you, you, 
what I'm trying to say is, you cannot live your life as a married man and every Friday night live as a single man. And men used to take their rings off, didn't they? And they would, they would go out with their friends and they would, uh, and, and pretend as it were that they weren't married to, to anybody. Well, when we become a Christian, we can't spend our lives doing that. We've got to, we've got to put on that new self, like Paul says. Uh, We'll take off the old man, put on the new, uh, and take up our cross and follow Christ. Spurgeon said that men left their Christianity in the boat at Dover when they went to, across to Europe. And, uh, um, yeah, I think I know what he means. Nobody can see us, and now we can do what we want. Um, Matthew Henry says, men think that they can spend their lives sinning, and in the end, meet with Jesus and live the rest of their life in heaven, and it ain't going to happen. So uh, our motives for uh, uh, living a successful life and not wasting our life is that we've got to think about that. The, that was that was past is past. We're not going to go down that road again. But our present life, he says, uh, they think it's strange. I think it's strange that you don't run with them in the same flood of disappointment. They think it's strange that they don't understand what you are motivated. They don't know how you tick. They don't know how you're motivated. When Paul says something, I'll just pull this out. God forbid I should glory except in the cross of our Lord. Um, they have no idea what he's talking about. Because they're not born again, are they? You can't expect the un you know, the unsaved man the, the, to, to think and, and, and be motivated like us. I think sometimes we do think that, but, but he can't. Um, when, when I became a Christian, I said to my mother that I'd become Christian, and, and she'd been a Roman Catholic on and off. Well, that what church she didn't go to. Like, but she was. A, she used to say, well, as long as you don't get too serious about it, don't become too serious about it. And I can remember... Uh, a chap called Alan Priestley who goes to, I think, the Life Church or, and I remember him saying, he says, well, when I went home from university and I said to my dad, I've become a Christian, he said, oh, no, he says, well, your brother's in trouble with the law and now you're a Christian. He says, and I'm, I don't think he really, I don't know which one he thought was the worst, you know. <laughs> they've, they've no idea how we tick. And if we don't go down that road with them, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, we probably find that we just don't get invited anymore. But they will heap, says Peter, heap abuse on us. Now, that's not necessarily for everybody. In, in chapter 3, verse 13, he says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? If you... If you are a good neighbour and you, you, you're a good worker and you keep good time and all the rest of it, you probably don't find that you'll get much suffering. Because I wondered, what's up with me? I don't seem to get much suffering these days. Is it that I'm not living, you know, well, you know, I pick my rubbish up and, you know, I don't park my car on somebody else's drive. But even if you should suffer righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of that. So if we have to suffer, I'm sure Philip, Pastor will be dealing with this in, in, in later. Well, we, it's not necessarily that we will suffer a lot, but cr of course, Christ was perfect. He lived a righteous life, and he still suffered. They had to get people to make up lies about him. They called him a blasphemer and an imposter and all these kind of things. So, 
our present life. We, that's how we are. To. And then he says, uh, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. There's a future coming. And they will have to give an account. I don't understand just how that works, but it's, they will be asked why. You know, if you're not a Christian here tonight, you... you I one of George Whitfield says, you know, some I may have to stand before people and say, I told you, and they have to give an account of why they, you know, why they lived the life they do. But all believe, everyone will have to stand before the, the judgment seat of Christ, won't we? Believers and unbelievers. And uh, when, you know, what what motivates you? Well, when we fall into temptation and sin. And we feel distant from God, and we start to wonder, and we start to think, "But well, what if I die tonight, or something like that? Or what if the Lord returns? You know, you know, banging your head on the desk, kind of thing. Not again, you know." Well, that should be a motivate for us to not to live a life of sin. Suffering is not nice, but it doesn't destroy your spiritual life. Sin does; it's awful. And in the parable of the talents, you know, that talent, it's a, Jesus said, it's a, it's a huge sum of money, many years' wage, you know. And those are kind of our spiritual opportunities, aren't they? Well, how have we used our spiritual opportunities? You, you, if you're here tonight, and I know most of you, you know enough not to waste these things. But what we want, what we want to hear, what when we look forward to the future is like when it says when the, ma the master will say well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master we want to hear Jesus say to us come don't we, we want, that's what we're looking for that's a, a great motivation to our, us to live our lives and what time do I finish is it, do, do you want me, can I have another five minutes, it's alright, yeah Thank you. <laughs> he says to us, um, but the, the end of all things is at hand. There's a, there's a, Christ is coming back, and we're to be watchful, and we are to pray. And we're to have this fervent love. My daughter left uh, work to have a baby, and they gave her flowers and cards and lovely gifts, and people here did a you know, the world can love you. You know, there might be clubs and golf clubs that will help people and all, you know, that kind of thing. The church's love has to be beyond that, hasn't it? It has to be more than just what the world does. We, we You know, and it says we are to have uh, fervent love for one another. For the love will cover a multitude of sins. That means that we are to forgive one another. As long as you ask for forgiveness, I've, I have to give it, and I will give it. And we're not to pick at one another, and we're not to look for faults, Paul says in Corinthians. Love refuses to see faults in one another. I'm not saying I've seen clouds from both sides. I'm not I'm in a mountain talking down. I'm to, I've, I, this, is, this has spoken to me over this last uh, few weeks since I had to, do, I had to look at this. And you 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 see how far you 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 measure up to these things. You know, he's a doctor, isn't he? You know, I'm sure if we asked him, he'd tell us all the signs of a. I mean, if I saw somebody there, I would sort of 
safe they've got a pulse and they have a heart. There's vital signs, isn't there, that you can look for in the life of a, of a body. And there's vital signs that, are, that we should have in this church, vital signs that, that, that show, and, and they are prayer and love and hospitality and service and ministry and praise and worship. And we do it all for the glory of God. And I just want to finish by just, because I can't deal with them, uh, that one of hospitality. And I hope you can, I hope you remember this one, because it's, uh, uh, it's rememberable, if that's, if that's English. Um, we had to have hospitality without grumbling. Obviously, in those days, people, you know, you've got Aquila and Priscilla that were thrown out of Rome, and they ended up in Ephesus, and, and Paul stays there for 18 months. And then Priscilla had to turn to Aquila and say, how long is he going to stay with us? He's, you know, I thought he was here for a week and he's here for 18 months. You know, I invite somebody for tea and they stay for supper as well. And, uh, you know, they're never going to go like the double glazing salesman. And, it, <laughs> it, it, you know, these sort of things. We, but we're not to grumble when, this, yeah. when we're doing this. And the, and the Greek word, because I don't speak Greek, but I looked it up. And it's gongosimos. Now, that's a good word, isn't it? And it's G-O-G-G-U-S-M-O-S. Gongosimos. And that means murmuring. You know, they the crossed the desert uh, and, and they got fed up of manna. You know, manna in the morning. Manna. And they grumbled. Now, we're not, as people, to be grumblers. You come through that door on the morning after service and you get a cup of tea here. And I go across and I find somebody and I say, you know, and it's one of those, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm not well, it's an onomatopoeic word, like splish and splash. It sort of, it's, it's a word that you, you speak like somebody doing ventriloquism, you say, I thought you were never going to finish. <laughs> how, many, how many choruses did he sing of that hymn? You know? And we're not to do that. We do it, but we're not to do it. We're not to uh, real hope. We're not to say, did you see the phone that that guy had and was coming in here for, for, for you know, it's, it's a great temptation for us to do that. Well, we're not to do that. But loving action, go, 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 If I do it to you, say, go, 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 Brian. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And because uh, uh, it's a failing of mine. You know, our students will be coming in September, it's October, left their homes. We have our, our missionaries and our asylum seekers and the people who've left their homes and their families behind them and, and there are the old people who need a visit and there's people in homes and, and, uh, and single people. I think we should, we, the danger is that in a church that has it organised, we tend to sort of say, well, if somebody wants to do it, let them get on with it. Like, you know, if they want to look after students, let them do it. We'd provide a mail for them. I don't need it. You know, well, it may be that they'd like to come to tea one day for you. And some of our uh, asylum seekers, they would might say, do you want a lift? I don't know. This, that, another. Jesus said in Matthew, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me, and you know the story. And they say to him, when, when Lord, when, when did we do this to you? And he says, when you did it 
to the least of these, my brothers. How not to waste our lives as a church is to forget what God has told us in his word. And so, we're to do it for the glory of God, of course. Wesley said, I don't know which one at Wesley's, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you can. Let's not waste our lives. Let's not sin. Let's not live for self. Let's live for the Lord and let's live for one another because you are my brothers and God loves you. So I should love you. Let me, let me close this little bit in prayer, Lord. We just thank you that you have been so good to us and we are so uh, unworthy of it. We have nothing in ourselves to bring. But we come to your cross and, Lord, we just cry before you that you would forgive us our sins, Lord, that you would lift us up like you lifted Peter up when he stumbled and he fell. And there on the seashore you said, feed my ship. Lord, help us to do in our way something where this church can bring men and women, boys and girls, to know you as Lord and Saviour. Let us so preoccupy our time for your service and your glory in Christ's name. Amen. I will just sing the last song before we close. Thank you. And the love that you've shown us, um, love that we can't fully comprehend. Um, I pray that we will be able to reflect that love in, in our actions, in what we do uh, to others without grumbling, without moaning, um, accommodating others, um, really just being driven by love. Um, I pray you'll help us to do that. Um, I thank you for your message tonight. I pray that we can really apply that day to day, that we won't forget that, that we won't, it won't quickly be forgotten, but we can um, apply that to our daily lives. And, and I pray a blessing upon this week, um, that we may remain focused on you um, and ways that we can continue to share your love. Amen.